Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. All right, who's ready to have a good day in the house today? Come on, who's already having, oh yes. All right, you guys came ready. Hey, we are in a brand new series that we kicked off last week. It's a new series that we're calling Jesus Habits. Our core scripture for this is 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. It says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And it is just this simple thought that the habits that we live in our life, that the way that we live our everyday life should be imitations of Jesus, should be replications of the way that we saw Jesus live out his life, of the things that we saw him do, that if we're looking for a template to replicate, Jesus is that template. And that believers everywhere should be able to say, hey, look at me so that I can point you to Christ. Not look at me because I'm so awesome. Not look at me so you can check out all of the great things that I do. Not look at me and check out and replicate all of my bad habits. Look at me as I follow Christ. That we should be able to say with confidence, I have some habits in my life that I have gotten from Jesus. I have some things in my life that I have replicated from the life of Jesus. And we live our lives like signs pointing to Jesus. And we wanna be clear signs. When people see us, they should see something that points them to Jesus. That is the heart of this scripture. As we say, follow me as I follow Christ. Have you ever been driving anywhere where there were confusing signs? Signs that weren't, weren't so clear. You were trying to figure out where, there's this um, part of the, it's not even part of the country, it's a different part of the world that I've traveled to a little bit and they do this thing, probably something that you've never even noticed. But here in Ohio, we put our street signs on the outside of the street, like towards the intersection, right? I bet you've never even noticed it in your life because it's where they should be. And when things are where they should be, you don't notice them. There's this other part of the world that I've traveled to, and they put their street signs on the inside of the street. It's the difference of like four inches, but it creates such confusion because you cannot see the sign as you're driving up to it. You can't see the sign as you're trying to approach it. And so it's very confusing where you're trying to go. When we are just creating our own lives to live, when we're just creating our own sets of rules, when we're just applying things to the scripture and applying things to what it means to be a Christian that aren't really the image that Jesus laid out for us, we are creating very confusing signs along the way. And there are those who are seeking to find him and they can't find the sign because the sign is hidden amongst all of the trees. We don't want to be confusing signs. We want to be clear signs that point to Jesus. Right, church? We want to be signs that clearly say, hey, this is the way to live a life. This is the way to find your way home to Jesus. And you did it so well last week as we leaned into that Jesus had a habit of serving. Jesus said, I came to serve. 
He said, I didn't come seeking that other people would serve me, that other people would bring things. I came trying to find out how can I serve. And as followers of Jesus, we live lives that say, how can I serve? How can I serve at a vow weekend? How can I serve to reach my my community better? How can I serve inside my family better? Here come the servers. We are a people who serve well. And when we want to be imitators of Jesus, we have to be those who stay close to the source, who stay closely connected to Jesus, who stay closely connected to heaven, who stay closely connected to the source of where our habits are coming from, where our image is coming from. We have to be those who are connected to the source. You know what people I find really annoying? People whose phones are never all the way charged. Now I know this isn't you, but I'm sure you have a friend or family member who's that person. Why is their phone always on like 17%? Why is their phone never all the way charged up? It drives me, drives me nuts when I'm talking. The other week, someone in my household who is the individual who doesn't keep their phone regularly charged, we were in the middle of a FaceTime with a family member on the other side of the world, and the phone just goes flat. It's like 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, why is your phone going flat at 4.30 in the afternoon? Drives me, and this is why it really drives me nuts, because there is this setting on your phone that even changes the little battery icon, and it's on, it's on most of them. I don't know as much about Androids as I know about iPhones, but it's even on the Androids. It changes your little icon, and so it'll go from green to yellow, to red. It is giving you signals that you have been away from a charging station for too long and you need to find one. And I do not understand these people who allow their phones to go flat in the middle of the day. Why don't you just look at somebody next to you and tell them, live your life on green. Because I don't get these people. I don't get them at all. But at the same time, I do in a little bit of a way, because prayer is kind of like the charging station for my spirit. And while my phone is always adequately charged, sometimes I have a tendency of not being as vigilant with my spirit as I've been with my technology. And I take too much time in between my check-ins at my charging station. Jesus had a habit in his life of prayer. Jesus had a habit of staying connected to heaven. Jesus had a habit of living his life in the green, living his life fully charged, never letting his connection with heaven get too low. Look at somebody and say, we should have a habit of prayer. Father God, I thank you for what you've already done in this service. I ask you to speak through me today. I thank you for what you will do. God, stir in us a heart for prayer today. Amen. 
Luke 22 is where I just want us to look at today. There are so many scriptures that we could look at when we think about Jesus' habit for prayer, but this is towards the end of Jesus' time on earth. This is when Jesus is preparing for the crucifixion. Luke 22 and 39, it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. As was his custom. As was his habit. As was his routine. The disciples were used to seeing Jesus go to the place of prayer. As was his custom tells me that there was a rhythm and a habit and a regularity in Jesus' life of going to the place of prayer. And before we go too far in this, I want to remind you that yes, Jesus was man, but Jesus was also God. God regularly went to the place of prayer. God regularly found himself returning to the charging station to keep his spirit in the green, to stay connected with the thing that he was called and that he was sent to do. Jesus knew that there was a power source in prayer, that the source of his strength was found in his place of prayer, that the source of his power was found in his place of prayer, that there was a spiritual lifeline that he couldn't ever wander too far from, that he needed to return to it regularly, that any healing that was manifested came to him through prayer, that every significant move that would happen in the church after he left would come directly connected to a move of prayer. There is something that happens when people pray. There is something that happens when we draw ourselves to prayer, when we speak our prayers, when we connect with prayer. Prayer is not just a tradition that we have a rhythm of. It is our lifeline. It is our spiritual power source. It is the thing that we are called to. It is the place that we run to. There is something that happens when the people of God pray, where heaven and earth connect, and all of a sudden we become divine partners with heaven, executing God's will on earth, and he moves through us, and he speaks through us, and he empowers us. Everything important that happens in your life will happen directly connected through prayer. Everything that you need to do that God has assigned you to will happen directly connected to prayer. Do not wander too far from a place of prayer because heaven's air is trying to get into you. The wind of heaven, the breath of heaven, if you feel like you're grinding, if you feel like you're working, if you feel like you're saying, God, where is your wind carrying me in this place? I would venture to say that you have wandered too far from the charging station and you need to run back to the place of prayer so that heaven can breathe its air on the inside of you. Jesus had a habit of prayer. When we go on vacation, Phil likes to go and do scuba diving. I don't do scuba diving because my body was designed for Earth. <laughs> I am made from Earth, I will return to Earth, and I stand on Earth. And I breathe in oxygen. But he loves to go scuba diving, and everyone who has told me about it tells me it's the most magical, peaceful, amazing thing that happens. This is what I really know about scuba. You cannot do it without an oxygen tank because you are not designed to breathe water. You are designed to bring, breathe oxygen. 
And so you put on the scuba tank and you go down and the most critical part of the entire thing is never losing connection with that scuba tank, right? You are a citizen of heaven. You are designed for connection with God. You are designed for community and communing with God. The most critical thing you can do in your life is to never let yourself lose connection with that pipeline that keeps you directly connected with heaven. It breathes air into your spirit. It breathes air into your life. It breathes the wind of heaven into you. Do not wander too far away from your source. You can't live without it. You can't go long without it. You can't venture well without it, without causing damage to your soul, without making a wrong turn to the right or to the left, because you do not know all of the things that are coming, but God knows. He sees the beginning from the end. Run to the place of prayer, make it a regular habit of your life, an ongoing habit. We are people of prayer. I love this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. He said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Smith Wigglesworth knew that he had to maintain a continual and a constant connection with heaven, that the air of God needed to be breathing inside his life if he was going to be a gateway to heaven to someone else, if he was going to be ministering to someone else, if he was going to allow heaven to speak and to move through him, then he had to continually stay connected with prayer. Jesus understood this, and Jesus had a habit of prayer. The disciples knew that Jesus had a habit of prayer because if you've ever noticed when they ask him, Right before he gives them the Lord's Prayer, they ask him, how should we pray? And they ask this after they've seen all of the signs and the wonders and the miracles that Jesus has demonstrated on earth. And when they see all of that, the connection that they made is not that it has anything to do with where he came from, not that it has anything to do with who his parents are, not that it has anything to do with special words that he says when he prays for somebody, or what his method was, or the way that he goes to temple. They knew the power that he has when he prays and sees the sick healed, when he demonstrates signs and wonders and miracles, there is a direct connection between what we are seeing there and his prayer life because we continually see him going in prayer. In Mark 1, we see Jesus going into prayer immediately after his calling. He's baptized in water. He comes up. He's called. He's sent. He's released into his mission, and he is sent immediately into a time and a place of prayer. Imagine if when we heard what God called us to do, we immediately went into prayer instead of immediately trying to go into action, immediately trying to go into planning, if we valued the power source that we have in prayer enough to say, God, I've heard your calling, let me spend some time in prayer. In Luke 5, we learn that Jesus withdrew to prayer often. Luke 6 and Matthew 14 tell us that before he chose his 12 disciples, Jesus intentionally went away and spent time in prayer. Before you have major decisions in your life, don't go to pros and cons lists. Don't go to stats. Go to a place of prayer. 
Luke 9, we see him praying on the mountaintop again. We know that he gives the disciples the Lord's Prayer to say, pray in this way. John 17 is his priestly prayer that he prays right before his arrest as he is crying out to God. We see him in Luke 22 praying as he prepares for the crucifixion. And even as he hangs on the cross, we see Jesus practicing a habit of prayer in every time, in every area, in every decision, in every place that he went, Jesus had a habit of prayer. If we are going to be people who can say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, there is no way that we can do it without a connection to our power source. We need to live our lives in the green. Stop letting your spirit get worn down to yellow. Stop letting your spirit get worn down to red. Stop letting your spirit flatline all the way through and keep your life in the green. There is a habit of prayer. There is a rhythm of prayer for the people of God. There is a place that we go to that says, this is my power source. I value prayer above all things. I value this connection that I have with with God. I value that he has given me a place to come and to seek him in prayer above anything else in my life, above what your report is, above what your statistics are, above what the news is saying, above what your opinion about it is. The thing that I care about most is my habit of prayer because I am a person of prayer. If we are going to be imitators of God, we have got to develop a routine of prayer. A routine of prayer is a regular practice, a habit of prayer, a continually going to the place of prayer, a regularity in the way that I pray. Smith Wigglesworth said that he prayed regularly throughout his day. James in his letter said, pray without ceasing. Make it an ongoing part of what you do. Eating is like one of my favorite things, like really one of my favorite things. But this is the thing. Every so often, a couple times a year, like on Thanksgiving, we have this massive feast, right? And you just, I mean, you eat for hours. And that's basically what, like, you're like, what's your plan for the day? And you're like, I mean, eating. And what else? Eating. My entire plan for the day revolves around eating. And there are times in your Christian life where your entire life should revolve, or your entire day should revolve around prayer. You should be like, I have a today, I'm praying. That is what's happening today. But for the other like 364, 360-ish days in the year, I don't spend my entire day eating, but I regularly eat throughout my day. I almost never miss a meal. I am very committed to making sure that I regularly make it to my meal times. In the same way, prayer should be a regular, ongoing. You cannot spend your entire life in the prayer closet, but there should be a regular habit where you say, oh, I almost never miss a prayer time. I might miss some other things in my life, but I never miss a meal at the table of God. I never miss an opportunity to come and commune with him. And a couple times a year I go and I sit, and that's all I do all day long. But every day of my life, I ensure that I have a routine of prayer. I have a simple question that I hope you have an answer to. When do you pray? 
in your day, when do you pray? If something didn't come to your mind quickly, I encourage you to write that question down right now. When do I pray? And find a time to answer it this week. Do you pray in the morning? Do you pray at your lunchtime? Do you pray before you go to bed? There should be a regular time, a routine of prayer in your life. There should be a relationship of prayer in your life. Probably my favorite definition of prayer is that it is simply talking to God. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't make it more weighty than it needs to be. It is a conversation with God throughout your day. Talk to him about everything. Talk to him about what is going on. Continually talk to God. It is a conversation. If you want to have a relationship with God, you have to have a conversation with God. I doubt that you have very many friends in your life that you never have a conversation with. Is this true? I hope so, otherwise you are confused about the definition of friendship. You should be having ongoing conversation. You should have a space of prayer. Let me ask you a question. Do you know where you charge your phone? Like regularly, you know where your phone is charged, don't you? Right now, you just visualized in your brain, you were like, oh yes, my charger is here. I would even guess a majority of people in this room have multiple places where you go to charge your phone. Like you have your home place where you keep it plugged in, probably by your bedside table. You should really move away from that in your life and put it like in your kitchen and charge it there. I bet you have somewhere in your car where you regularly charge your phone and maybe even somewhere at your workplace that you keep a third charger. That way you are never too far from a charger. You should have some places. You can pray anywhere, but there is something about having a space for prayer, a designated place where you know when I show up here, Prayer is what happens in this place. When I come here, I know that I have come here to pray. When I'm not sure what to do, this is the place that I go to. I have some designated places of prayer. I have a place in my house where I pray. I have a place in my car where I pray. I have a place at my work where I pray. It's a secret. I'm not telling any of you where my prayer space is. But I will tell you it has come in handy. A while back, Phil and I were in a meeting and we were, we were in this meeting, in this conversation, and it was not going the way that I expected that the meeting was going to go. It was us, and it was some other people, and we came into it, and I was like, this is, I am blindsided by this meeting. This isn't where I thought this was going. This isn't where I want this to go. This is not the outcome I was expecting for this. I am really rattled by what just happened over the last 20 minutes, right? So I held myself together, the meeting wrapped up, and I just looked at Phil, stood up, beelined it out of his office, and beelined it for my place of prayer. Because I knew when I find myself in a tight spot, as long as I can get to the place of prayer, I can find myself connected to God. When I'm in a situation where I'm not quite sure what's going on and where I'm not quite sure what the answers are and when I was blindsided, I need to know how to get to the one who knew what was coming all along. I need to know how to get to the one who knew what was happening in the first place, who knows where he's taking this, who has an end in mind already. You have to know how to get to the space of prayer. And you have to learn a speech for prayer. 
a language that you pray in, the, the, the vocabulary of prayer. And just like any other language, the more you use it, the more you develop it. There are not special words that make up your prayer life, but your prayer life becomes richer as you learn and as you understand. Last week, we learned where Jehovah Jireh comes from. I hope that you incorporate that into your prayer speech now, understanding as you come to him exactly what it is we're saying, not empty words that we've heard someone else say. That's how we learn words. But when we learn the meaning of them and when we incorporate it into our prayer life, it makes us have a richer speech for our prayers and you need to say them out loud this is we're going like way basic right now but there is something powerful that happens when you say your prayers out loud you can pray in your mind in your heart on the inside and sometimes we have to do that when you're out in the world and you're like Lord, I need your assistance right now because this person is absolutely on my last nerve and I just need you to send me my patient. Like, you can't say that out loud while you're talking to someone at the register at the grocery store. You need to keep that one inside. But this is what I have learned. There is something powerful that happens when our spirit and our physical body connect and we speak our prayers out loud. I was going through a season where I was like, God, my prayers feel dead. My prayers feel still. I feel like I can't find you. I'm praying. I'm going to the place of prayer. But there, it feels like there's nothing happening. Where are you? And he revealed to me that I had taken my prayer life into too much of a meditation. There is prayer and meditation. They work together, but they are not the same thing. Meditation is internal. Meditation goes inside me. Meditation is thinking on and considering what is it that this thing means. And my prayer life had turned into almost exclusively a meditative life. But when you stand up when you on the inside and you begin to speak out prayers, Lord, I invite you into this room. God, you are welcome in this house. You are highly exalted. You are lifted up. There is something that shifts in the atmosphere when all of heaven and all of hell have to pay attention to the powerful prayers that God has given you. We have to be people who have a habit of praying in our life. I want to give you today what I'm going to call a pathway for prayer. When you start your prayers, where is it that you're going? Where is it that you're walking through? There are lots of ways that we pray. There are diverse examples of prayer throughout scripture. But if we are talking about building a habit, things to go to every single day in our life, a rhythm and a habit of prayer, this is a pathway that we can walk into. The very first one is that we have prayer that is adoration. When we come into the place of prayer and we begin to open our mouths to speak prayers of adoration are prayers that lift up who God is, prayers that tell him how much we love him, prayers that tell him how magnified he is, prayers that tell him that he is worthy, that he is exalted, prayers that repeat the characteristics of God. These are prayers that we begin to just exalt who God is, to lift him up, to, to magnify his name in our own lives, in the atmosphere where we are. James 4 tells us to draw near to God. Draw near to him. You draw near to him when you begin to adore him. The Psalms are a great place to go to richen your life of adoration in prayer. 
Psalms 111, one through five says, praise the Lord, I will give thanks. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in him. He is full of splendor and of majesty in his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Prayers of adoration give him praise. They give him thanks for the things that he has done. They acknowledge the works that he has done. And they speak to the character of who God is in splendor, majesty, and righteousness. This is our God in splendor, in majesty, in righteousness. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is kind. He turns towards us. Enter into your prayers with adoration, looking up and connecting vertically to heaven. And then we ask. We go into asking. Now, this is probably what we're most familiar with in prayer, the thing that is most common to us in prayer. But there also tends to be this tension because we feel like, should I ask God? Can I ask God? Will I ask God? God wants you to come to him asking. It says that we are his children. And who among you holds good gifts away from your children? He's just waiting for us to come into the place of asking. Ask God everything that you need. This is the daily bread part of the Lord's prayer. This is the resources that I need in my life. It's the forgiveness that I need in my life and the forgiveness that I need to extend. It's answers, it's directions, it's searching me, God. God, search me, ask of him and he will search you and he will reveal it to you. It's asking God to intervene on your behalf. In John 14 and 13, Jesus said, Whenever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name. Come on, it says whatever you ask. We should ask with great confidence. We should ask with great expectation that whatever I ask in his name, this he will do. Your asking has power to it. Your asking produces results on earth. Your asking should be a part of your prayer life. There's this this false sense of humility that tries to say, I should only come before God with just this. And maybe some of you haven't dealt with this, but I know that I've dealt with this feeling, with this lie from the enemy that says, you know what, he's God, and you're only human, so how dare you ask of him? How dare you question him? It's not questioning him to come to him with your asking, to say, God, if you could intervene in this space. God, I need you to show up right here. God, I'm asking you to do something in this. God, you see my need. I'm asking you to fulfill it. God, I am asking of you. Our pathway should consist of adoration and of asking. There's a third one. Are you guys ready? Mm. This is a good one. I've been thinking about this one all morning. Our prayers should include a pathway of attack. Your prayers are a weapon. They are powerful. And you should be waging warfare habitually in your prayer life. You should be going after the enemy all day, every day in your prayer life. 
Stop waiting for him to overcome you. We treat the attack aspect of our prayer life like a reaction and a response to the enemy instead of like a habit of prayer. We just wait until we feel surrounded on every side, until we feel overcome on every side, until we feel like our back's up against the wall. And then we go, oh God, could you show up on my behalf? What if instead of waiting until your back was up against the wall, you woke up every single morning with a prayer in your mouth that said, I have the keys of the kingdom. He said, whatever I bind on earth will be bound on earth. Whatever I loose on earth will be loosed on earth. And I came to wage war on the enemy. You want to come after me with deception? I'm going to come back at you with truth. You want to come back at me with some disease? I'm going to come back at you with healing because I have access straight to the throne room of heaven. And it is the responsibility of the people of God to keep pressing on the enemy, to keep pushing on the enemy, to keep advancing the weight of the kingdom to keep advancing the place of the kingdom your prayers are an attack on the enemy and every single day that you wake you should have a habit of praying an attack on him of waging war on the enemy it is your responsibility he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal the weapons of our warfare are spiritual and when I rise and I come to the place of prayer I have some adoration to lift up and I have some asking to do but I am going to attack the enemy because it is what's on the inside of me. What's on the inside of me is more powerful. He is on the inside of me and he has overcome the world. He has overcome death in the grave. He has overcome your crazy family. He has overcome your lineage. He has overcome that disease. He has overcome the powers that try and press in on you. Stop letting the enemy press in on you and press back. Get some kickback in your prayer. Get some pushback in your prayer. Get some, I'm going to bind it. I'm going to loose it. I'm going to cast it out in the name of the living God because my prayers are powerful. I tell you what, I'm so tired of watching the enemy take crown because the people of God are sitting back waiting till things get so bad that we decide to gather in a prayer room. He said, send it. And it's not complicated. You don't have to have a PhD in theology. A few nights ago, I was sitting with our son Theo in his room. He's five years old and he, you know, gets like, I want the lights on. I don't want it to be dark, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, no, no. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you two short sentences. You say, fear, go. Peace, come. And he said it at first. He said, fear, go. And I said, no, no, no. No, no, no. You tell that fear to go. Fear, go. Peace, come. And listen, this is important. This is so important. We cast out. And we call. When Jesus was speaking to the centurion, he said, I tell one to go and another to come. Some of you, the reason you're not feeling fulfillment in your warfare prayer is because you're casting out, but you're not calling in. And then the emptiness feels more empty. And then you're like, you know what? Actually, it felt better to at least have the insecurity because then I knew something to hold on to. And I told the insecurity to go, but then I just felt empty. And then the space was just void. And because nothing filled it, then the insecurity came back and it felt better to hold back on to that than to have nothingness no 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 you say insecurity go confidence in Christ come fill it with the things of God fill it with his word fill it with his people fill it 
with what he said about you. That goes and he comes. Culture, go. Kingdom, come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. On earth, as it is in heaven, we cast out and we call in. We bind up and we loose on earth. Cast it out and call it in. Your prayers are an attack on the enemy and he's terrified of you. better get him and you have to have a habit of it otherwise when the battle comes you don't know what to do with your weapon you have to have a habit of attacking the enemy of casting out there's this thing called muscle memory when you do something a lot your body just knows how to do it and you don't think about it very much anymore. You just go to it and you do it and you can be talking to somebody at the same time. This hasn't happened to me a lot, probably about a handful of times in my life. But when you have a habit of attacking the enemy, you're dangerous even when you're sleeping. God will wake you up with prayers. About a, maybe, maybe a year and a half ago now, I told Phil one morning, I said, can you call so-and-so? It was, a, it was a guy that we knew, so I felt like I wanted him to call and reach out to him. I said, I just want you to check on him. I woke up in the middle of the night. I woke myself up. I was praying in tongues, and then I heard myself say, I bind the spirit of suicide over his life. I bind the attack of the enemy over his life. And I wasn't even all the way awake. I woke myself up saying these words. If you build a habit in your life of attacking the plans of the enemy, you will do it even in your sleep your prayers are powerful and your last a we have adoration we ask we attack and attention we give God our attention in prayer we listen to what he would say to us God, what are you speaking to me right now? It's not a conversation if just one person's talking. Right? It's a monologue. And you might have that friend who sometimes you catch up with them and they, you're like, wow, it's been 45 minutes and they're literally the only ones talking. Do you ever wonder how, much, how often God thinks that, like when you leave your prayer life? And he's like, I mean, I love them, but man, they just prayed for 45 minutes straight and didn't even ask me what I thought about it. We should give God our attention to listen to what he will say to us. It's that discerning, that pressing on the inside of you. It's that person whose face flashes before you when you say, God, who do I need to reach out to? We're having trouble in our marriage, this communication, we have a block. God, what should we do? And an older couple's face flashes in front of you. He's answering that. But too often, we run to our place of prayer, and we're like, God, you're awesome, and we love you, and you're so great, and hey, could you show up? I'd love that promotion on my job, and, and even binding, and I bind up that thing that's trying to cause division in my friendship, and I release the love of God in that. In Jesus' name, amen, peace out. And God's waiting. He's like, I had some answers about that. I just wanted to tell you that I love you. I just wanted to tell you that I'm proud of you. I wanted you to know that I know that you never heard that from your parents, but, but I'm your father God, and, and I think you're awesome. And I love you, 
And I know you need to hear that more than anybody else. If you'll just wait to give me your attention, I know exactly what you need. When we have a habit of prayer, I want us to have a regular rhythm. As those who follow Jesus, let's follow his pattern of having a regular rhythm of prayer, of going to him in adoration, going to him with asking, of going on attack against the enemy, and of giving our attention to God. He is worthy. He is our power source. He is the place we run to. He is the one that will keep us in the green. Don't let your life be lived on red. Live in the green. I'd love everyone who can to stand up in this place. <clears throat> We're just a few minutes away from heading towards lunch. Come on. I love to eat, y'all. When we, come into, when we come to God in prayer, it, it's an incredible act of humility. The thing that it is, is it is a, a recognition that, God, I don't have everything that I need inside myself. I don't have all that I need by myself. I come to you humbly. And when we come, we come with boldness. We come with great confidence. We come with intensity. There should be an intensity. Come on, like when I was talking to Theo, but even in your adoration, don't let your adoration be, oh God, you're so worthy. You're so, no, come on, there's an intensity. You are talking to the creator of heaven and earth. There should be an intensity to the way the people of God enter into prayer. And there should be expectation that this is not just religious tradition. This is not just calisthenics that I go through. This is my connection with heaven. My prayers matter. My prayers make a difference. My prayers change the landscape of my city. They change the outcome of my kid's life. They change the future of my friendships. They change what is happening in my here and my now. And before we leave today, I want us to activate this thing. If you feel like your prayer life has been dry, if you feel like you've heard that attack of the enemy, there are, really, there, are, there are lots of ways the enemy attacks our prayer life, but there are two reoccurring ones. One is that I'm too busy for it. I'm too busy. There, I, I've got a lot going on. There's not much. I don't have enough time. I can't find. I'm too busy to go and pray. I promise you it is the most effective thing that you can do with your life is pray. And what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to take four minutes and with focus and intensity, we are gonna pray through these four areas. And I am gonna prove to you that if you can commit four minutes of your day, more if you can, but if you can give God four minutes to focus in prayer, it will change the outcome of your life. And the other thing that the enemy loves to lie to us about is that our prayers don't matter. And it doesn't make a difference anyway. I can't prove this one to you, but I do promise you, if you commit to God in prayer, God will prove himself to you. Your prayers make a difference. And they matter. <laughs>